0: That's solid.
1: That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive casualty insurance company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.
0: All right, you're back in the DFSR for our Week 11 Game by Game NFL podcast. This is James Davis, and that's... Chris Terrell yeah and that's right. We don't have our fancy flashy frontman Doug Norrie. He has taken the week off to go out to Delaware to go to a house with no internet. so I hope Doug you're out there and listening and having a great time without us Chris and i will uh we're like the we're not the flashy front man, but we are the rock solid bassist and drummer of d f s r so hopefully we can put together a pretty solid game by game podcast. It is a little intimidating. Doug is normally the guy who uh, goes extra deep in uh, sets up this whole podcast, but I, I I think we're pretty well set up. What do you think, Chris?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. Like sometimes you got to get that drummer and you know that uh, that bass <laughs> guitarist. They can get in there and they can sing too. So if the you know if the voice goes down the lead singer, they can definitely jump in and uh, pull it all together and make a good concert out of it.
0: Exactly. And this is like my show where I have my big solo and I'm going to play it for like a little bit too long just because <laughs> it's finally my time to flex. And, you know, I always thought I was ready for the bigger role. So let's see how we do. Uh, as always, you can head on over to DFSR.com slash deals. That'll give you our podcast only listeners discount. So you get a free seven day trial to our projection system. So that'll cover you at this point for like two weeks of NFL and a whole bunch of slates of NBA in the meantime, and it will also give you a $5 discount in the long term if you do wind up staying on with us, So that's just $24.95 a month for all the sports that we cover. Uh, that'll get you access to the premium articles, uh, Chris and Casey, have been writing this season, that'll get you access to our NBA system, NFL, and the NHL, opti- well, it's not an optimizer, but all of our NHL projections as well, so check it out, dfsr.com slash deals. Chris, let's just jump right in. We got uh, the first game, 1 o'clock game, Dallas heads in to go up against Atlanta, Uh, These are two rather strange teams in my estimation. Uh, Why don't we start with the home team? Atlanta, we have Sanu. He's kind of questionable right now. If he winds up being out, maybe we get a little bit of extra value on Ridley. You know, We've written up Julio Jones as even cash game viable over the last couple weeks. Austin Hooper coming off another one of these lightning strike good games where he'll go from three targets up to 11 targets, back down to two, up to 12. Uh, What are we seeing on the Falcon side of the ball for starters this week?
1: Yeah, looking at the Falcons, um, I've kind of broke down them playing at home. And in their five home games, they're averaging about 32.2 points per game. So they've been very high high scoring at home. So I suspect in this game, Dallas is going to have to play up to Atlanta's pace. I'm kind of seeing it that way. So I do Hmm. like Julio Jones. He's been just red hot um he's had 100 plus yard games in four straight and five of his last six he's finally scored a touchdown and it's happened in two straight so it's kind of like the old adage once one comes you know it just they're all just going to start coming after that so really like julio here paying up for him this week um matt ryan definitely been there the 300 plus yard games he's been putting up big points i do like hooper on the tight end like tight ends very tough position this week yes just because there's a lot of emphasis it seems on you know paying up for running back because after the top running backs it really falls off to guys that are maybe you know there's not as many opportunities this week of guys stepping in um so paying up for running back really seems like something to go for this week me and doug talked about that yesterday but then Austin Hooper is one of the tight ends that I like going to. He's, You know, he's been up and down. Like, he'll have these weeks, like, he'll get three or four targets, but then, boom, he'll have those weeks where he's getting, you know, 10-plus targets. Yeah, it's crazy. And a lot of those come in the red zone. So I really like that, his touchdown upside there, just because Matt Ryan likes to, you know, focus on him once they get inside that red zone.
0: Yeah, right on. And I think with Hooper... You know, at his current price point, six thousand, 6000 it could be on the higher end. Like, if you do get those three target weeks, you'll obviously be pretty disappointed. But the thing about tight end is, unless you're going to pay up for someone like Earths or, you know, Kelsey's not even on this slate, unless you're going to pay up for one of those guys, you're just rolling the dice anyway, right? Like, I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about some of these other guys as the podcast goes along, but, like... If you have to pay a little bit more for Hooper over Jordan Reed or something, doesn't that just feel better? He's got like a better quarterback. He's got better options around him. Yeah, I think you could see some definite ownership on Hooper this week, assuming we can make the money work. Uh, After that, uh, you didn't bring up the running game, and probably for good reason. Coleman and Smith are just kind of splitting touches right now. Uh, Freeman's on the IR, but it just hasn't created that level of... You know, opportunity for any of these guys. I think they've gone in decline of this classic running back by committee basis where uh, Smith is seeing a lot of the targets and Coleman's seeing a lot of the carries. And ultimately, the Falcons are just a team that would prefer to pass anyway. Uh, let's walk over to Dallas because Dallas has one of these running backs that you're talking about, these big money running backs that could see a lot of ownership and potentially a lot of production. And that's your boy Zeke, Chris, because Zeke comes out last week against Philly, marches into Philadelphia, puts up 187 yards, two touchdowns touched the ball 25 times total including seven targets in the passing game is he one of the guys on the short list in terms of running backs you're looking to play this week i i didn't happen to catch the cash game podcast yesterday but he's certainly up there for me right now
1: yeah he's my number one running back this week Uh, atlanta's just been absolutely brutal um, against the running back, especially in the passing game, they've allowed the second most receiving yards to running back, so Zeke kind of does it all, it doesn't really mm. matter the game flow, if they're down, they're going to pass to him. they could throw them those screen passes and stuff, and over the middle, and if they're up, they're just going to feed him the ball, um, running, so right. um, he's definitely one that I'm paying up for this week, probably, you know cash games, he's a lock for me um, be playing him, but in GPPs, I'm going to have a lot of them too, just because he's a little bit cheaper um, especially exactly. on DraftKings than Barkley and Gordon, so Definitely looking to him. And then you've got Alvin Kamara, who's more expensive than all of that group. <laughs> right. Um, so Elliott's definitely there for me this week against Atlanta. Awesome matchup.
0: Yeah, true. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely right there with you. The passing game in Dallas, I find this a little bit interesting here. Uh, of course, the big-name trade, Amari Cooper joins the team last week, uh, gets targeted 10 times for six catches. I suspect you'll see pretty reasonable ownership on him this week just because You do have a lot of incentive to pay up, definitely at running back, possibly at tight end as well if you want to go in the direction of Ertz. And these mid-$6,000 receivers just open up a lot of value. But after him, and I suspect you probably talked about him on the Cash Game podcast too, after him though, I'm not seeing a whole lot else. Like In a lot of ways, Dallas, they kind of look like one of these classic, we're just going to pass to everyone, so we're kind of passing to no one teams. I mean, Dak has been reasonable at this price point probably not a cash game play given that you can get safety elsewhere is there anything else on Dallas we are seeing here before we move on
1: not really looking at Dak so much but yeah definitely like pairing Cooper and Elliott together Um, may seem crazy but since Cooper's come in I mean he's got 18 targets Um, I think he's only caught 11 of those but he's got uh, 133 yards in those two games with a touchdown. It just seems like, you know, from what they give away for him, um, they want to really feed him the ball, so he's definitely in play for me um, in cash games. And, you know, just his price point, it, it's definitely going to go up after this week, I feel, um, going down the stretch. I think he's, on DraftKings especially, going to be in that 6-65 six to 65 range, and he's 5,400 this week. So, at that price, I'll definitely consider running him and Zeke out there together, because that's pretty much your whole Dallas offense right there. Pretty much covers all the touchdowns, yeah. and pretty much. You know, I'd say about... 70 75 percent of the yards in that team so
0: classic dfsr last words right there coming out of chris that's a <laughs> i feel like i'm just back on the podcast with doug someone's telling me that there's two guys that are going to get the whole team's offense and then you won't probably send me these texts but doug will send me the text like, uh, you know, let me just pick out a good guy here. Jeff Swaim with the <laughs> touchdown. Vulture Zeke, such a... This is just what happened to us with uh, Jack Doyle last week. So I'm just already well, I'll you text that. you for sure. <laughs> okay, good. You, you have my number. You can certainly reach out. Okay, I think that game's pretty well covered then. So let's slide on over to the Houston-Washington game. Uh, Texas head in to Washington to play against the Redskins. This game's got a pretty low total. You know, kind of two generally unexciting offenses. Uh, starting with the home team... I mean, you'll probably see some cash game ownership out of guys like Jordan Reed just because tight end is so abysmal. Uh, Some people in our chat are going to want to think about Adrian Peterson just because, you know, claims are that he's feeling as healthy as ever. He touched the ball 21 times last game. But, man, how excited can I really get about a team that has Alex Smith under center right now?
1: Yeah, I'm not really excited about this game at all. Like The line has dropped from open, uh, went from 43 down to 42 with Houston going up a half point uh, favorites or three-point favorites now on the road. So I'm not really looking at a whole bunch from this game, you know, GPP or cash. I do like Jordan Reed's price. Um, He's kind of underwhelmed coming off a season full of injuries. He's averaging 6.6 targets per game but it just the production hasn't been there but like i said the price is what stands out this week when you're trying to pay up for running back um even if you're paying up for one wide receiver with those running backs right. he's at a season low on draftkings and his second lowest point on fanduel so he's definitely in consideration i think he will because of that just the way people are going to construct their lineups that right. you know he's going to garner some ownership which can be scary um i like it more for cash and i probably pivot off him for gpps
0: yeah, I'm concerned about Reed honestly, like the total lack of playmaking ability. I mean, the guy has gotten 24 targets in the last 3 weeks and he's basically turned that into just over 100 yards, like yeah. no touchdowns of course. The, you know, having Alex Smith throw to you means that and you know, we've talked about this in terms of other teams too, but like so take it the Bengals, you know, AJ Green goes out and on paper, it creates a lot of opportunity, but it also makes defenses be able to target on the guys that are left over, like mm-hmm. Tyler Boyd. I feel like Alex Smith has that effect on a whole passing offense, because if Alex Smith is your quarterback, it just means you don't need to respect the deep ball as much, right? And so guys like Reed, who you know might be used to making plays underneath with, say, Kirk Cousins or something, there's just a lot less room to do that. Defenses just don't need to respect the long ball at all here, and I think that creates problems for him. So yeah, I'm going to... Probably, like if he winds up in my cash game lineups, I don't think I would cross him out and start over. But the fact that he's coming off of two lackluster games, in spite of two great matchups with Atlanta and Tampa Bay, uh, certainly has me concerned. So, uh, let's hand it over to Houston. I mean, we've played Watson plenty of times over the course of his career. He's definitely nothing like a high price point right now. Uh, I don't think you want to touch the running game here, but the passing game has a lot of little interesting nuggets right now. Uh, Hopkins coming off a game where he played all but one of the Texans, 62 snaps. He's still pretty expensive, but he's limited in practice during the week with this foot thing. Uh, you also have the potential return of your buddy Kiki Kute, whose name I'll never be able to pronounce correctly. <laughs> what do we make of the Texans' offense right now? Is there anything that we can kind of sink our teeth into here? Because on paper, there should be a decent amount of value opened up. And these guys are not at the higher price points that we have paid for them in the past. Are we liking any Texans right now?
1: Yeah, like I agree with you with not targeting the run game. Washington's a top five defense against the run this year, allowing just, just over 90 yards per game. So that's I think there's only six teams that have allowed under 100 yards per game so far this year. But I do like the mm-hmm. passing game. Um, they, they do rank 25th in passing yards game given up so for GPPs I definitely like pairing Watson with Hopkins I mean Hopkins seems like he's questionable every single week and then he comes out and puts up a hundred yard game yeah, and absolutely. a touchdown like he scored a touchdown in four straight and five of his last six games so yeah he's got that huge huge upside and I think that questionable tag does help sometimes keep people away from him, especially mm-hmm. with guys like Julio Jones on the slate this week kind of in that same price range he's actually a little bit more expensive but i still think a little more ownership may go julio's way this week in that high scoring game oh definitely so i i I do like going to hopkins but uh kute have kind of been off of you know demarius thomas um yeah those are really the only two guys that i'm looking at this week
0: yeah, Thomas only three targets last week. You know, it makes sense that they would take time to try to ease him into the offense here. But early returns have been that he's probably just worth the fifty-six hundred dollar price tag that he's saddled with right now. An interesting guy, I still think for big tournaments, just because he obviously has that big playmaking ability, he can go off. Uh, but you just probably don't need to force it for cash. Uh, let's hand it over to the Cincinnati Baltimore game, another one o'clock game. Uh, Cincinnati heads into Baltimore right now. This game, Chris, has no line because of just incredible uncertainty on both sides of the ball. So (laughs) in no short order, uh, or no specific order, uh, Lamar Jackson missed practice. There's still buzz that there's potential for RG3 to get the start here, Uh, even though kind of common sense would have told you that with RG3 being inactive for the whole season, that he wouldn't just jump right into the first team reps and then the starting lineup. But right now there's still considerable buzz that that could be the case. Um, I think just the quarterback uncertainty in general probably makes the rest of the Ravens offense kind of a a total crap show, we'll call it. And then the Bengals side, you have no no shortage of questionable stuff as well. I mean, Green, questionable with a toe. He didn't practice, I believe, on Thursday, but there's some chance he returns here, even though it seems like it's kind of a long shot. He's definitely not listed as out. Mixon was limited in practice on thursday as well uh you know his potential absence could open up stuff for giovanni bernard it is a one o'clock game so we'll probably know prior to snap or prior to kickoff rather what exactly is going to happen here but is there a whole lot of great analysis we can provide given the amount of uncertainty right
1: now it's an absolute mess this game right now trying to analyze who's going to get you know touches or target share in this game um if AJ Green's back, I think that helps Tyler Boyd. I mean, he runs out of the slot, <laughs> right. and when Green he Green takes away a lot of the coverage on um, looking at the defensive side of things, and that's right. really opened up Boyd. When Green's out, you know teams can really square in on Boyd and you know take away you know his upside that sure. we've seen or even his floor that we've seen. So I don't like Boyd with Green out, but Green coming back, you know they may just use him as like a decoy, I guess. You know, like that three to five target type thing, just to maybe help Boyd a little bit. But overall, um, I do like Giovanni Bernard at his price point if Mixon is going to be out because he has shown when Mixon was out that he can provide value. Um, other than that, I do like Lamar Jackson if he does get the start. It is very risky. Um, I know yeah. Doug liked him in cash games. He wrote him up in the cash game article. I, I don't think I could go that way in cash, especially on FanDuel at his price, just because we've only seen him. like He's had, I think, like 12 pass attempts this entire year. Um, he does have that rushing upside, which we talked about yesterday. But for GPPs, I definitely like it. He seems like he's got a you know a pretty big arm. I I like Willie Sneed you know, over Crabtree. Snead's cheapest out of those guys. Um, John Brown's he's kind of out for me. But uh, overall, it's just kind of a mess, and we're pretty much gonna have to wait till Sunday morning to see what's gonna happen there.
0: Yeah, I think that's the right answer. I'm higher on Jackson for cash games than you are. Even RG3, frankly, I think both of them being running quarterbacks, very, very cheap price points means the floor is just higher than it would be for a normal quarterback. And at least Jackson, you know, it's a very limited sample size, but he's shown flashes, I think, enough that we could probably see pretty considerable ownership just because, again, uh, money matters right now. And if you can get a saving somewhere, uh, you know, you potentially even build in some upside, I think you'll see a lot of people take that on. Okay, so yeah, the big news from this one, just wait till Sunday morning. Unfortunately, that's the best advice we can give you. Uh, Like I mentioned, if Mixon winds up being out, you'll probably see Giovanni Bernard be a cash game play immediately. Uh, Okay, so Tennessee... Yeah,
1: before, I, before we move on, if you had to guess, what do you think? Um, let's just go ahead and say that Lamar Jackson mm. gets the start. AJ Green's going to play. What would you think the line's going to be set at when they come out? Not so much who's going to be favored, but what do you think the over under is going to be in this game? I kind of have a feeling it's yeah. like a 44 and a half type game. It's yeah, you're low-scoring. right. I, I,
0: it'll be a low scoring one. I, I'm not great at picking football lines. That's not, you know, I'm just not my thing for the most part. But yes, this will be one of the lower slate, yeah. lower. Games on the slate. I mean, Baltimore with a totally unknown quarterback, you can't pencil them in for any sort of big game. Right. Uh, and Cincinnati with their, you know, even with AJ Green back, like I would have questions as to whether he was just going to be a decoy. Baltimore, pretty solid defense. Yeah, I, this isn't a game you necessarily just want to go crazy on. Regardless of the news, the only reason you would want to play probably anyone from this game is just a price and opportunity mismatch, right? Like if you can get a backup running back at a cheap price point, or maybe you get Tyler Boyd at a cheaper price than he had been. Uh, Because you think Adrian Green returning opens up a little bit more for him. Uh, It would be something like that. But no, generally speaking, this is not a game to be too excited about. So Tennessee heads in to play Indianapolis. uh, This game right now. It's another one that has potential fantasy implications, even though you have two sort of weird teams right now. Uh, Let's go back to the home team again. Andrew Luck, Chris, has quietly been just pretty good. You know, I know he's not maybe throwing the deep ball. He's not as flashy as he's been in past seasons. But right now we're on six straight weeks where Andrew Luck has had 22 fantasy points. He's averaging 22 fantasy points on the season. He's been solid, but the lack of the big playmaking ability has kept him away from cash game ownership. At what point do we just say, okay, Luck is a different guy, but maybe it was his head, not his arm all along that made him a good fantasy play? This game's got a pretty reasonable total at 49. Are you seeing anything from the Colts side that we can run here?
1: Yeah, I definitely like uh, Luck in this matchup, just kind of looking at the you know fantasy points against and stuff like that. Tennessee, or sorry, Indy, um, Tennessee's been, I think, the rank of 25th, 26th against wide receivers, so... They're fourth against Mm. quarterbacks, which kind of seems weird. It's more of a pass rush type thing for Tennessee. But, yeah, like you said, Luck has been super consistent. And not only those those fantasy points have come a couple weeks from yards and then other weeks from touchdowns. He's thrown three or more touchdowns in those five straight games, six straight games as well. So, I mean, that's just amazing production coming out of him. And with T.Y. Hilton back to full strength, I think pairing those two makes a lot of sense. And then what gets me – what i'm looking at from the tight end side of things is doyle's more of a cash gameplay for me he seems well he only got three targets last week but the week before he was six out of seven in his return but from earlier in the season when eric ebron had the touchdown upside and they targeted him quite a bit in in the red zone i think he had touchdowns in three four of his first five games he did better when jack doyle was in there because doyle would run out of the tight end slot and then you'd see Eric Ebron, they'd flex him out kind of into the slot type thing and get him out there against, say, like a safety or a linebacker, and he was exposing those matchups. So I definitely like uh, Ebron here for touchdown upside, not for cash by any means, but definitely for GPP upside.
0: Yeah, I think I'm gonna, if I'm going to play a tight end from the Colts, I'm definitely going to play Doyle, probably on either side, honestly, just because of the snap counts. You know, Doyle last week, he played 48 of their 55 offensive snaps, even played just 21 snaps. And I get that, mm-hmm. you know, he's a dynamic player. He's got serious playmaking ability. And obviously, if he's going to play 21 snaps, but turn that into three receptions and two touchdowns, like, <laughs> you know, the guy obviously has upside, especially if, the, if Indy just decides... Hey, why don't we just leave this guy out there? He's like awesome. <laughs> yeah, like that's yeah. a, that's the always going to be a risk <laughs> when you're going to run them. I'm not sure I want to roll it back on Doyle. I am pretty concerned about the the overall target share. In spite of playing those snaps, I'm concerned that Tampa uh, Indy had three touchdowns to tight ends, and two went to Ebron and one went to Mo Alley Cox. It just seems like for whatever reason they're just not viewing Doyle as that red zone guy and that's just going to really limit a tight ends floor and ceiling frankly because so much of being a tight end in this league in the modern NFL is not about moving the chains it's about occasionally punching in a touchdown and not that you can rule that out for Doyle but last week certainly wouldn't have inspired any confidence uh still do like the passing game I think you know Indy just doesn't want to trust the run Marlon Mack had those two pretty solid weeks but coming back against Jacksonville last week just 14 touches for 38 yards I I suspect you'll see Indy stick with and Tennessee a tough running defense as well. Now two seasons in a row, I, I suspect you'll see Indy stick with it if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and go back to the passing game. Uh, but speaking of Tennessee, they had a player who was they had two players who were cash game irrelevant last week. One of whom was more than a sixty percent start in Deion Lewis. Uh, the guy goes out there, touches the ball twenty two times, turns it into just sixty eight yards, and I would say was a monumental disappointment for fantasy owners everywhere. But at fifty nine hundred, Chris, this guy. Like, he, talk, he still touched the ball 22 times, right? And you're running up this game uh, with a one-and-a-half-point spread. You'd have to think that if he was able to get that many touches last week that he's probably a favorite to touch the ball 18 to 20 times here. Is 5900 too cheap a price? Like, do we have to roll it back with uh, Lewis here? Or can we get away from it somehow?
1: I'm not really excited about Lewis, but I get that the opportunity is there. I mean, if he's touching the ball 20 plus times, that makes a lot of sense that, you know, he's going to break one or two here, you know, get that big reception or, you know, even get in the end zone, uh, which is what we like to see. And Indy hasn't been that great against running back, 21st and fantasy points against the position. So it's it's definitely there, but. I just find myself every week, like, is it Derrick Henry? Is it, is it uh, Dion Lewis? Yeah. If one of them was out, I would be like 100% on, you know, one of them, just because Indy seems like a sure. team that would want to be smash mouth like that. But without it, they're, you know, I would stick them in GPPs only, and I do favor Lewis over Henry um, on a week-to-week basis. But it's for me, it's more the passing game I'm looking at with... Uh, Marcus Mariota he's you know he's really come around lately he's had some good games and then his wide receiver the you know the rookie from last year Corey Davis coming out of their buy he's got 10 targets in each of the last two weeks oh, I love Davis yeah caught 13 of them and had a huge game last week 125 yards and a touchdown against the Patriots so I definitely like going back to him again this week I think a lot of people will chase those points so I think his ownership might be up there but the price is nice at 5600 On DraftKings And I believe he 62 on FanDuel Yeah yeah, So still not that bad Kind of right there In that mid range And that's kind of the range That we're looking to target um, You know For going up at running backs So definitely Yeah no I really like
0: Corey Davis I think he'll be A cash game lock For a lot of people And I guess I'm higher, a little higher on Dion Lewis. I'm very concerned that Henry had the two touchdowns and the fact that Henry had 11 attempts. Also, you know that that game just wound up being totally crazy. Tennessee, of mm-hmm. course, you know runs up the big lead, and who knows what the, you know the plan was initially or whatever. I bet Tennessee probably didn't have it in their mind that they were going to get the opportunity to run the ball 31 <laughs> no. times, uh, and so they may have been caught a little bit unawares. Regardless of what the line is here, I don't think that that sort of thing is in play but yeah you're probably right it's it's ultimately pretty speculative anytime you see a running back only get two-thirds of his team's carries you got to be pretty confident that there are a lot of more carries coming uh even yeah. at a, a relatively cheap price point especially if you're not the goal back. okay so let's head on over to uh carolina at detroit uh this game another one with some pretty interesting fantasy implications here right now marvin jones jr he missed thursday thursday's practice and or at least the portion that was open to the media, this has a lot of people speculating that Kenny Galladay will be in line for another double-digit target week. He was excellent last week, uh, hauling in 13 targets, uh, scored that touchdown. Obviously, Golden Tate is already out of the picture, and after Galladay, like I, I maybe would be a little bit more concerned if it seems like there was any other, anyone else knocking on the door, but it was literally just like one target to every other guy who's out there like three targets to some random tight end three targets to Luke Wilson to Michael Roberts like it seems like TJ Stafford <laughs> yeah exactly it seems like Stafford without Marvin Jones is going to need to lean on Galladay quite a bit Um and Galladay I think you know just in that same Corey Davis sort of realm could see huge I mean topping 60% cash game ownership so I think he's probably a pretty straightforward one but is there anything else on the Detroit side that you think we can play here
1: Yeah, I think the matchup is good for the passing game for Detroit here this week, Uh, so I like Stafford in the passing game, uh, whether Marvin Jones is in there or not, he didn't practice Wednesday either, so even if he's in there, I don't think he's going to be 100%, and it doesn't really scare me, and me and Doug kind of discussed it yesterday, i the minnesota game where he only got four targets i'm not really concerned about that whatsoever because that was kind of a weird one where minnesota got 10 sacks and stafford had absolutely no time to throw he was on his back the whole game Mm -hmm. yeah so i think that 8 to 12 targets is kind of like his floor um going forward i think it makes sense to get galladay in there other than that there's not a whole lot on you know on that team for the passing game that I really like whatsoever. I do like carry on Johnson. Theo Riddick, if you want to go real cheap, um, if you think, you know, maybe the game flow, which I do, Carolina is probably the better team here, going to probably, you know, get out to the lead. And if that's the case, Theo Riddick's going to get uh, his targets. I mean, he's at 15 in the last two weeks, and he's there Mm -hmm. there receiving. Carry on Johnson hasn't really got a bunch of targets. They they really want to keep Theo Riddick involved. So I think on DraftKings, at least Theo Riddick is there for a punt. Um, running back, but Carry on Johnson's the guy that uh, we should really be concentrated on. He's really become the bell cow back lately.
0: Yeah, Carry on Johnson, I think, is actually pretty interesting here. Uh, he did, he, I like that he actually got the six targets last week, yeah. five the week before that, and eight before, the week before that. It shows me that they're basically just playing Riddick as a wide receiver, whatever he's yeah. listed as on FanDuel and DraftKings, and it means that Carry on Johnson operating more in that three down back sort of territory or at least getting three down back levels of touches, uh, 20 total touches in that Chicago game. Still very, very cheap. And I think a very, especially with the two touchdowns, very interesting big tournament play for me at a really low price point. Uh, Moving over to Carolina, another kind of weird team here. Right now, it looks like to me that Cam and McCaffrey are the playable options here. Uh, McCaffrey, he was excellent against Pittsburgh, uh, getting it done in all phases, punching in three touchdowns over 138 yards Uh, Only had 19 touches, but still back-to-back 30 fantasy point weeks for him, looking every bit worth the $8,600 price tag. And Newton strikes me as sort of the classic naked quarterback where you don't, I mean, you can play him alongside of Christian McCaffrey, but outside of that, like I I don't see a whole lot else in the passing game to get excited about. Uh, But do you see anything else you like on Carolina or is that pretty much a, a good summary?
1: No, that's a pretty good summary. Like Cam's touchdown upside has really gone down lately, which scares me a little bit about running him. I was on him early in the season because he was there. You know, they get down inside the five, and he's the guy that's running it in the end zone. Well, McCaffrey's right. got seven seven touchdowns in the last three weeks, so yep. he's really taken away. So I think McCaffrey's the elite play um, on the Carolina side of things. I mean, you can throw darts here um, at the wide receivers if you want. Uh, Funches is more your, um, you know, possession End zone type receiver, but he doesn't really get any yards, and he hasn't scored in three weeks. And then you got right. the the two speedsters and DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. And I haven't chose them right. I I take Samuel. Moore goes off. I take Moore. Samuel goes off. So I'll make sure to let everyone in chat know <laughs> on Sunday morning which guy I take, and they can roster the other oh. one. They both have That's explosive very, very upside, generous but email. it's it's tough. Detroit's a yeah, pretty really. good defense too, so I don't see either of them really doing much. It's more of a yeah, like I said, a dart throw punt play.
0: Yep. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. I think Carolina, you're basically hoping to guess right. I think you can stack Cam and McCaffrey, um, but I would be, I, I'm just higher on McCaffrey. I think the yeah. question all along has been, was he going to get the touchdowns with Cam? Choosing to or the team choosing to let Cam run it in from five yards and in and four rushing touchdowns in the last three weeks lets you know what their plan is right now. Okay, so Tampa Bay heads into New York, uh, another game with pretty significant DFS implications here. Uh, Fitzpatrick, you know the highest owned quarterback for cash games on uh, FanDuel last week comes out gets 400 yards doesn't manage to be a part of any touchdowns and does manage to be a part of three turnovers in spite of a 70% completion rate. I'm pretty sure you guys probably talked about him for cash games yesterday. Uh, The rest of these guys on Tampa Bay, you know, Mike Evans is a guy we held our nose and played in cash games, didn't work out. Uh, Deshaun Jackson had eight targets last week. What are we seeing from Tampa Bay right now that's DFS relevant?
1: I think he... I definitely think you can go back to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, it was kind of funny. I was sitting at the in the stands, the NASCAR race on Sunday, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to check because I played Ryan Fitzpatrick in cash. I'm like, I'm just going to check the scores here and see... See how my cash game lineup's doing. I didn't get into the box score. I only looked at the score, seeing that they they scored three points, and immediately <laughs> shut my phone off and concentrated on the race. I got back yeah. to the hotel room after and seen that he threw for four hundred yards and still hit cash value. It was just like absolutely thrilled. Um, yeah. I yeah, don't yeah. think he's gonna get. Unlo- I don't think I don't see four hundred yards again, but I do see another productive day where he's gonna throw it forty plus times and i don't think he's gonna get unlucky when it comes to the touchdown i can see one to two touchdowns this week um i didn't get to see the game i've only seen a few highlights but there were some fumbles in there that kind of you know some run bad on the on the touchdown side of things. oh definitely like evans
0: right dropped side, one so. just sitting in the end zone uh, yeah. jack was rogers had a fumble it was it was a total mess um, and Fitzpatrick, of course, himself had the fumble too. Fitzpatrick, by the way, you're not projecting him for 400 yards. He's got 400 yards passing in four of his five games as a starter this season. Just truly unreal. And, and, you know, if he really actually comes back and, like, I guess I'm still just waiting for him to turn into a pumpkin because quarterbacks tend not to just pass for six yards per attempt for their entire career and then get into their mid 30s and start looking like us. And,. <laughs> start turning into 400 true talent, 400 yard a game guys. Cause again, none of those have ever existed in the history of mankind. So uh, we'll see on Fitzpatrick, but I'm still pretty high in him. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm loving the story. So uh, let's, we'll, we'll continue to keep an eye on it on the running side for Tampa Bay. Uh, Peyton Barber. looks like he'll probably play this week. Uh, is currently questionable, but was limited in practice between him and Rogers. It's basically a timeshare uh, an unassuming timeshare Rogers, eight targets last week. Uh, Barber had none, but Barber did have the 13 carries and and Rodgers filling more in that theoretic role. So I think if you're going to play either of those guys, you're doing it just based on GPP speculation. The Giants side, though, I mean, Tampa Bay, we've talked about it all season. They're basically capable of turning anyone into the 2011 Patriots. Eli has been pretty garbage so far this season, but you got guys like Saquon Barkley and Odell Beckham Jr. on this team. I mean, you're paying absolute top dollar. But can we see doing this in any formats this week?
1: Yeah, I mean, Barkley just, I think he's definitely in play. He's got the second most targets among running backs this season. And the game script kind of feels like it's going to be good, even though last week didn't really work out. Um, you know, he got 12 fantasy points. That's not really enough for what you're paying for no. him. It was Beckham that went off. So it kind of seems like you don't want to pair those two guys together. You don't want to pay up for both of them together okay. because it's like one or the other on, on any given week. This week it really feels like a Barkley, um, even though Tampa Bay's been a sieve through the air, I think they can get Barkley more involved coming off last week. I think because of that performance last week, his ownership may be a little bit down. So if you're... If, if you're thinking that Ezekiel Elliott is going to be the highest on running back this week, I think pivoting to Barkley and GPPs makes a lot of sense. I'm even considering him in cash games just because of his elite pass-catching ability, especially on DraftKings. Um, and then Beckham, for me, is going to be probably on the GPP side of things. And it's mostly, I mean, he's getting the opportunity. He's had 10-plus targets, and it looks like about seven straight games. He's not catch, like He's only caught four of 11 last week. He got those two touchdowns. So the catch rate really hasn't been there. Um, consistently, but it's more to do with Eli just, you know, not being consistent himself. Yes. It has me more on the GPP side of things for Beckham.
0: Yeah, I mean Beckham Jr. At this point, one game this season with fewer than double-digit targets, and that game he had nine. So yeah. we know the Giants' plan is. Uh, Beckham is just incredibly highly targeted. We know that when Eli's feeling on, he's going to get those 140 yards, possibly a touch games. And when it's not clicking, he can get four receptions too. So just know that that's what you're signing up for. And I think you'll, you won't be too dissatisfied either way. Uh, Other notes in this game, Evan Ingram, You know, back-to-back weeks now as a pretty relevant part of the passing game. Still cheap. uh, 14 targets total in his last two games. He's probably another guy in that big tight end potpourri that you can just pick from and just hope for the best. So good luck to you. God bless you if that's the direction you decide to go and and you can hope for the best. Okay, so Pittsburgh heads in and goes against Jacksonville for our last 1 o'clock game here. Uh, Jacksonville, notoriously tough passing defense. But right now, uh, James Conner has been practicing in full all week, still 8,200 and still a guy that was just week in week out when he was getting his carries, putting up 26 fantasy points or more. Uh, James Conner, cash game play this week, or are we going to wind up looking in different directions here?
1: You know, Doug mentioned it yesterday with the sites, um, maybe using the matchup a little bit too much in the pricing, thinking that he's maybe a little bit too cheap here. Uh, 7,200 on DK and 8,200 on Fandu. He's a little more expensive on FanDuel, like one spot higher, I guess. But right. Jacksonville's been a tough defense against the rush, sixth in fantasy points against seventh in DVOA there. But Connor's. He's getting like eighty-eight percent of the touch shares on the season. Um, that kind of changed a little bit last week. They they did try and get Jalen Samuels and uh, Stephen Ridley a little bit more involved. I think that was just to, you know give him a little bit of rest there. But yes. I think with his usage, well, also he was board, banged up, right? So he was a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, and Connor banged up in that game. So you know, yeah. I think that explains a Decent amount of why that that target share was pushed elsewhere. And listen, when you're going up against a team like Jacksonville, you must do something, right? So you can't just look and be like, well, they're a good defense, so we're not going to pass or run. And (laughs) like, you have to try something. Jacksonville, uh, much better passing defense with Bowie and Ramsey. Uh, They're just really, really strong and really like, you know, Smith, Schuster, and Brown normally capable, you know, between the two of them of opening it up against really any duo or set of corners because you know you figure you only have one corner capable of trailing one and then the other one is going to be left to do what they want you know jacksonville one of the very few teams that can credibly cover both of those threats on the outside and that means that pittsburgh's probably going to have to get creative and so i think connor in line for a pretty solid game here uh right now you know vegas sees pittsburgh as being in fine shape here this game has a 46 and a half total with them being five and a half point favorites so ultimately jacksonville Still just not a great team, not a good offense, and that probably means that Pittsburgh's going to have the ball in their hands a decent amount. But on the the Jacksonville side, I mean, you know, again, I don't want to be in the position of trying to guess right on these wide receivers, uh, although D.D. Westbrook did have the 10 targets. But I want to get your opinion on Leonard Fournette. I mean, I don't think we wrote him up for cash games, but the guy had 29 touches in that Indy game. He had 24 carries for 53 yards, but he had 29 targets, or 29 overall touches, did get 109 yards and two touchdowns. Are we sleeping on Fournette? I mean, he there was a time Chris where we were paying happily paying eighty five hundred to eighty eight hundred for him on Fanduel, and now he's seventy six hundred. Granted, they're five and a half point dogs, and they don't really have a lot to do elsewhere. But can you see Fournette as being ownable in any formats here?
1: From an ownership um, pivot standpoint, I can see him as a GPP play because he's going to get the volume um, now that he's back and he's 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 healthy. Air quotes. But myself, Pittsburgh, that's the one place they have actually been very good this year is against the run, fourth, and fantasy points against running backs so far this year. So I'm not Mm -hmm. really looking to him um, in cash games for sure. But like I said, as an ownership pivot, I think you can definitely use him. He's very talented. He's going to get the touches both on the ground and through the air. But I don't think the game flow is going to be there for them. Pittsburgh is a better team. I think Pittsburgh is going to have the lead, and Jacksonville is going to have to throw. So myself, for GPPs, I'm going to be going more of the uh, Bortles-Westbrook route myself. Oh, okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think Westbrook, you know, very, very cheap right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see people take a stab there Uh, coming off a 10-target week against Indy and a 6-target week the week before that, but not really doing a whole lot with it. And so the price has stayed down, and he could have stayed off radars as well. So, yeah, that's a a good little tidbit, good thing to keep an eye on. Okay, so heading over to the 4 o'clock games now, the first one we've got listed is Denver going in to play the Chargers. Uh, This is another game that has some fantasy weirdness, Uh, of course Denver vacating a wide receiver, uh, also at the same time adding back Freeman into the running game, just generally a really, really weird team. And then on the Chargers side of the ball, uh, you have two fantasy studs in Gordon and Allen. Uh, What are you seeing in this game that we should start with?
1: Uh, Melvin Gordon, right off the top, is you know just looks like the game flow San Diego, Diego, the Chargers at home, um, (laughs) seven point favorites, and it's gone up to seven and a half actually here the last couple days. So definitely Melvin Gordon is the top guy for me. I'm not really worried about Eckler. Um, He does take away some of the touch share, but I mean he's had 15 plus carries in six six straight weeks. He's getting that four plus targets with yeah. Eckler only touched the ball three times last two weeks, so so. I'm with you. I'm not
0: worried about Eckler either.
1: Um, so definitely melvin gordon's there for me keenan allen he's kind of banged up with a hip injury i'm sure he, it looks like he's gonna play so he's not gonna he was only limited in practice on thursday so i'm sure he's gonna get probably a full practice in on friday um today and get back in there but he just hasn't been as productive as you know we've been used to he scored a touchdown in week one scored a touchdown last week those are his only two touchdowns of the year touchdown he's sandwich been, <laughs> yeah so not really looking to the pass game so much. It feels like a Melvin Gordon week for me on that side of the ball. And then the Denver side of things, coming from behind, it feels like this is maybe a spot we want to get uh, Emmanuel Sanders in there. Um, definitely a okay. the top guy in the passing game. He seems to be getting his targets outside of the KC game where he was only uh, targeted four times. But other than that, he's had seven-plus targets in, in all but two games this year, which is weird because the two games where he didn't get – those seven plus targets were in excellent matchups against Casey and Oakland. So, um, but coming from behind, I think they're definitely going to be coming from behind on the road this week. And they're going to have to pass a lot. So really Sanders is the only one I'm looking to. And Cortland Sutton, I think is going to draw um, the toughest coverage there on the outside provided Sanders is going to be in the slot so definitely Sanders for me in this game. Yeah,
0: yeah, and I'm out on Sutton anyway. To be honest, like people wanted to read the tea leaves there, us included, and say, "Well, hey, Thomas is out of the picture, so Cortland Sutton is like there, thereby going to come in and get ten targets." I think that we make this mistake so often in DFS, especially in the football-related thing, where, and football has a very peculiar way of doing this, where teams, on one hand, they're choosing to throw the ball to a guy a certain amount of times, right? They're like, they're looking for him as the number one overall read. But on the other end, you also just have to be able to get open enough times to get those kind of targets. And oftentimes on a team, there's a reason a guy was a second, third, fourth, fifth wide receiver or whatever. So it's not like Demarius Thomas, for whatever his flaws might be, is still a dynamic, big playmaking wide receiver, right? And Sutton, he might have all the potential in the world. We might be able to see the big games coming from him in the future, but we have plenty of games now where like, Six targets, one catch. Six targets, two catches. Five targets, one catch. Like Sutton can just have bad games, and he's still cheap, but I don't think that's the direction I'm going to go. Uh, if there's something I'm excited about in the Denver passing game, it's actually Jeff Hureman. Uh Hureman comes out and seemed to be the big answer when it came to Thomas no longer being a part of things. Going up against Houston, 11 targets, 10 catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he's seen decent target share, actually, over the course of the season. Had his own issues with conversion, and that's just going to happen on this Denver team. Uh, Keenum's just not been very accurate overall, but uh, Huberman, I think, is another guy that should enter that discussion of the short list of, you know, generally bad, but could possibly be good (laughs) tight ends uh, that we're considering. Uh, And you mentioned Keenan Allen. I'm also uh, modestly high on him. I I do think nine and 10 targets each of the last two weeks, assuming he gets the all clear, definitely a GPP guy at 7,600, you know, probably a true talent, $8,200 receiver when healthy. So, you probably could scoop up a little value there. Uh, but yeah. yeah, definitely a game to keep an eye on where there should be some fantasy implications. Uh, okay, moving on. We got Oakland going in to Arizona. It's another 405 0 5 game. Uh, Oakland just been basically a crime against humanity in all facets of the game this season, both from real football and from DFS perspective. Uh, the only guy I'm seeing there, especially with Cooper out of the picture, is probably Jared Cook. Other than that, I I feel like Oakland's in that skip category. But Arizona, Chris, we got David Johnson, 12% cash game ownership last week. New offensive coordinator there, albeit not for last week, but uh in the over the last few weeks. Twenty-eight touches, eighty-five receiving yards, ninety-eight rushing yards, two touchdowns. Is this the return of DJ? Do we see the big is this the big DJ week where he finally gets as much ownership as he was having early in the season?
1: I could see his ownership, definitely, and I talked about it a little bit yesterday that I th- I like him in cash games, kind of in that tier just below your, uh, um, you know, the Kamara, Barkley, Elliott range. He's, I think his price is going to go up into the 8K range on both sites next week, so this is maybe your last chance to get on him. I think the ownership is going to be there, but it does look like they're using him like uh, vintage, um, you know, when he was rolling there um, last year, year before you know passing the ball a lot that's really what we wanted to see and i own him a lot in, in season-long fantasy and this is just like a sign of a sigh of relief to finally see them using him the way he should be used 21 carries last week nine targets he, you know he caught seven of them he's like you know no offense to larry fitzgerald at his age right now but david johnson could be their best receiver on the team um so getting him sure. more involved just makes sense his his upside is through the roof and I think his floor now is safe enough where we can definitely use him in cash games as well. So he's definitely the player on that Arizona side of things that I'm I'm looking to and really no one else. Maybe a punt tight end um with Ricky Seals Jones at his price, just the way the week and the lineup construction is working out. Um if we're going up with running backs and even if you want to go with a um expensive wide receiver in there as well. Seals Jones is very cheap under three K on on DraftKings. So his targets have been, you know, kinda of up and down but you know, even if we can get, you know, five catches, 50 yards, I mean, 10 points is kind of, it's a little over three times value. I'll definitely take that if it helps me get to two or three elite players at the running back wide receiver position.
0: Yeah, I always have a difficult time with those tight ends on DraftKings because in my, my mind knows that, playing a cheap tight end can work out because it enables like real plays at all those other positions and my heart just does not want to press the submit button when I see one of those guys who gets like four targets a week in my lineup so uh, yeah I'm with you there logically Uh, when it comes to me having the guts to actually do it I guess we'll see Uh, interesting to note for this game too uh, the Cardinals actually favored by five and a half points which is not going to be a situation they find themselves in very often going forward and if you think that you know that if you are wondering when the best time to play David Johnson is for the rest of the season, I have a really hard time believing that this would not be it because it definitely seems to be finding his legs finally and sub eight thousand dollar price tag to your point, you're gonna see big ownership and you are gonna see. Um, probably a pretty good game and a subsequent price increase. Uh, I don't want to dismiss Larry Fitzgerald too much here either. Uh, Ten targets last week, 12 targets a week before that in San Francisco. Again, they're still sorting out having a new offensive coordinator. And while Fitzgerald is pretty darn old at this point, he can still catch balls that are thrown Mm -hmm. in his direction. And I think you you could do a whole lot worse than a guy who's ultimately hauled in 14 passes on 22 targets in the last two weeks for a sub $6,000 price tag so you know while I still think there are probably more attractive options with more upside we've talked about many of them Galladay uh, Corey Davis you know in that same $6,000 ish price range to where you just might not need to do it with Fitzgerald but I think if he winds up in your lineups uh, you don't want to and even Amari Cooper in, in a similar price range but if Jones or Fitzgerald winds up in your lineup then I think you, you probably can live with it so uh, definitely something I'm going to be keeping an eye out for as well. One all right, buddy. We have that. yeah. One go
1: final thought on that game. We haven't really touched a whole bunch on defense, but Arizona is one that I'm I'm looking oh, yeah. at this week. Um, Oakland does have the lowest projected points out of all the games in the slate, and Arizona is right up there. I think they're sixth in total sacks with 29 so far this season, and then right. I like to look at uh, adjusted sack rate as well. And they're they're fourth on their defensive line in adjusted sack rate, while Oakland is 25th. And they're giving up a lot of sacks, so definitely one of the nice. defenses I'm looking at this week. And I think correlation play. I like pairing him with. If you're playing David Johnson, I like pairing him with the Arizona defense as well.
0: All right, hey, hot fire coming out of Chris Terrell. coming in late, dude. You still got it after 45 minutes of podcasting. Well done, stamina on this guy. All right, uh, so let's get into the final game on the slate. Uh, It's a short slate this week, by the way, six teams on a bye. So, you know, the pickings are going to be slimmer than usual, but I still think we've come up with a lot of pretty good plays, and right now lineups are looking decent. But uh, Philly comes in, headed up against New Orleans, highest total on the slate for good reason. Uh, you got New Orleans at home. It's a dome game, so in a weekend, where weather could be questionable. I'm looking outside at about four inches of snow here in New England, so I know that weather could be a concern across the NFL this week as the weather starts to get a little colder. Uh, this game is the highest total, and it has some pretty explosive offensive players. Uh, where to even begin? Why don't we Why don't we just start with the Saints, and then we'll get to the Eagles after that
1: yeah uh, they're giving the saints a lot of credit here they are um we talked about it in the recap podcast last week where i actually ranked the saints number one team in the nfl when looking at the big four right now and they're giving them a lot of credit because they're eight point they're up to eight point favorites now and the total went from 54 to 56 so personally it feels like new orleans going to get ahead um which kind of makes the running backs a little bit murky and Doug talked about it a little bit, but Mark Ingram seems to get in these spots and get the rushes when they get ahead early. So Mm -hmm. it kind of, for me, makes Kamara more of a a GPP play. And I just I love the price on Ingram. I mean, if that's going to be the case, they're going to get up by a touchdown or so, even in the second half of the game, and he's going to get 13 to 15 carries again. I think Ingram, at his price, makes sense for GPPs, if the game flow does work out that way. But uh, for me, Michael Thomas is always in play. Um, he, gets, he gets a lot of targets here. He catches a phenomenal amount of, of the balls. So his safety, um, the floor is definitely there. He's an 89% catch rate, and there's like no one else even close to him in that regard. And he's just under 1,000 yards. So I can definitely see another, um, you know, he may not get the 10-plus unless this game really turns into a shootout, which it could. Um, but definitely think that uh, he's the safest play in this game.
0: Sure. Yeah. Kamara very saved by the touchdowns last week. And, you know, you don't want to take away the credit there too much. I mean, the guy's now has multiple touchdowns in three straight weeks. So that could be just a feature of playing Alvin Kamara these days. But guys that become very, very touchdown dependent tend to have more ups and downs than guys who aren't. So, you know, with a gun to my head, if I had to pick between like Kamara and Ezekiel Elliott this week, I would take Ezekiel Elliott for a cheaper price point and what I believe to be just better job security. You know, he's just Mm -hmm. not. Competing, I mean, typically on these teams where you've got just multiple guys near $9,000 price points and those guys have a lot of competition, you kind of need things to go in your favor in order for it to pay off. So actually for me, a lot of great players on the Saints, a lot of guys you can get excited about for DFS purposes. I think the way I'll be deploying them is just picking two of them, probably Breeze and somebody. And just hoping that I pick the right pair of guys for big tournaments and, and kind of moving on from them from there, as uh, kind of as it sounds with such a dynamic team in a game with such a high total. Would you take a well, the-
1: stab with Traquan Smith? Um, you know, they brought Dez Bryant in. He's out for the season now. Cameron Meredith's out for the season. Do you, you think at 4K on DK that it's worth taking a punch with Traquan Smith in this game, in a shootout-type game?
0: I mean, it could be. Uh, you know, he falls kind of in that Cortland Sutton category where it's like, I can see all the reasons why he would get more targets. I like that he's already being targeted on some level. And I just don't have any super high degree of confidence unless I can hear from a coach. Like, he's going to play every snap and we're going to target him 10 times or something. Which, you know, coaches never tend to give us that level of information. I just don't think I would want to get caught in that speculation game too much. Uh, I mean... Again, it's always a price consideration thing, right? If playing him at the bare minimum prices means I can get two really high floor guys instead of one and a half, then I'll do it. But yeah, I would rather not probably. Okay. And that's just my... My only reasoning
1: behind that is just Philadelphia is absolutely banged up in the secondary. Like, their corners this week, they're running out there. Razul Douglas, Avante Maddox, and and Chandon Sullivan. Like, I don't know if I've ever heard of any of those guys before (laughs) this week (laughs) with all the guys that are out for the season now uh, injured for their secondary. So that's the only reason I bring up Traquan Smith and then those other two wide receivers being out. I think there could be some opportunity there, but like you said, it's kind of a a dart throw, whether he's going to Yeah, I don't think it's final, outrageous. And maybe targets. Doug
0: will disagree with me on that. It's just like a kind of a, it's kind of just a core belief I hold about playing DFS in the NFL, where as people who play fantasy sports in general, we can learn certain names and we can see what's going on, but only really in the games themselves, right? Where the coaches have so much more information than we do. And so back to the and Sutton example, if you're a coach on the Denver coaching staff, you could have been sitting there looking at that and being like, what? Why did these guys think Sutton's, we're going to throw the ball 10 times to him now? Like that's never been the right. plan. Like it, we just don't see him that way or whatever. And, and I think we just can't be privy to those conversations and those questions aren't really being asked and coaches aren't really incentivized to share that because it just kind of mm-hmm. gives away, shows their hand. So I think I always just prefer to see it first. And, you know, sometimes that makes you a week late and sometimes you're just in great shape, right? But, you know, missing out, like if you look at the course of the season, guys in that very, very similar situation, some of them have worked out, like Marquez Valdez-Scantling comes to mind. But in that case, we had probably more injury, more target share to spread around and a better track record, like already five or six targets a game. And a lot of these other guys uh, that people have wanted to play, you know, John Ross, Cortland Sutton, uh, Willie Sneed, like the list goes on and on. When, there's been opportunity, DJ Moore, uh, opportunity opens up, and it doesn't necessarily go where the DFS community consensus thinks it will. So, yep. um, so yeah, I suppose we'll see is my general take there. Uh, but over on Philly, I, you know, talked about Zach Ertz. Like, the guy's really expensive, but in terms of tight ends right now, he's in an actual league of his own. 16 targets last week against Dallas. Turns out into 14 catches, 145 yards, and two touchdowns. Just absolutely ridiculous upside for the tight end position to say nothing of doing it on a seventy six hundred dollar salary. Uh, do we going are we gonna play Ertz for cash games? Can you make any sense of the wide receiver situation now that they have both Jeffrey and Tate? What are you seeing on Philly for me?
1: I don't see him viable for cash games just because of his price and the way that the running back position is really shaken out this week. I haven't been able to make a lineup where I can get Ertz plus two mm. of the elite running backs in there. Um I think for GPPs, a lot of people maybe are thinking the same way with lineup construction this week. It just feels that way when, when making lineups on both the sites. So I think Ertz, if you want to maybe pivot off some of the wide receivers and even with some of the big running backs, you can start your lineups with like a Wentz-Ertz stack and, and go from there and see what you can build around those two guys. I think the ownership might be a bit lower. But Ertz's floor, if, if you can make it work in cash, he's definitely cash viable this week because he's fourth in the league, wide receivers included. In eleven point one targets per game, so the floor is just sky high right now for Ertz, and uh, I think the other, you know, the receivers on that team. I I talked about it yesterday. Wentz is definitely my favorite cash game quarterback right now in this game because I think Philly's going to be trailing. I think they're going to have to throw a lot. We could see forty plus pass attempts from from Wentz. He's an accurate quarterback. He's got a lot of you know receivers to get it to plus Ertz on the tight end, but Jeffrey and Tate. Um, I'm more inclined to go with, you know, pair Tate with Wentz in cash games and Jeffrey Moore on the GPP side of things for me.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think Tate ultimately emerges as the possession receiver there once they all really get on the same page. So yeah. I definitely feel you there. And uh, the Philly running game, just nothing can even really be said. They're uh, taking a the little league approach if everyone gets a turn. Smallwood, Clement, <laughs> Josh Adams, each having five or more touches last week. Totally unplayable. You, you can ignore the price point. It just doesn't even matter. Uh, when they're spreading it around that much but hey chris I, I think we have actually done it 54 minutes in here covered all the games on the main slate our 50 minute guitar solo is now over and we can bring doug back hopefully god willing for the game by game breakdown next week so i don't have to do all the research prior to it but uh i think i think it went pretty well how do you feel
1: yeah time flies when you're having fun man
0: <laughs> that's it dude all right well let's get out of here then that's our week 11 game by game breakdown uh, as always, you can head on over to DFSR.com. You can read our written articles if you want more in-depth takes. You can also uh, check out our NBA content as well. And as always, if you go on over to DFSR.com slash deals, you can see our podcast-only rate of $24.95 a month and that free seven-day trial just to get your beak wet. So uh, thanks for joining me, Chris, and we'll see you guys all in that members-only chat come game time on Sunday.
1: Yeah, good luck out there, everyone.